Welcome back to part two of today's Corolla Classics. Thanks again for listening. All right, let's get going with our next clip. This is a continuation of Randy from Omaha's request yesterday. We played the live show of Howie Mandel and Artie Lang from Caroline's in New York. Well, let's listen to the rest of that. Adam McCruel Show 1526 Part 2. Howie Mandel and Artie Lang still on stage, uh, crushing it. This is right after the end of Blah Blah Blog. Uh, the show picks up right from here. Enjoy. All right, so can I tell you, for the last four days, I've been running around New York, and I've been doing a whole bunch of press for uh, Road Hard, and thank you. It is By the way, today. I saw it. Good. Oh, good you watched it all yeah, the thing? Yeah, good stuff, buddy. I relate to a lot of stuff in that movie, unfortunately, but it was well done. Well, thank you well very, done. very yeah, much. Yeah. And uh, really we well done. Can I just say, and I, I'm in it, so that it sounds kind of false, and it was nice of you to call me and ask me to be in it. But it truly is one of the most real movies in this world that has been depicted. I always get mad, and you probably have seen a lot of movies about the comedy, comedy world, and the comedy, comedy world. Yeah. And this is real, and, and there's a lot of heart, and it's a real character your acting is good I, i'm very proud to be a small part of it well thank you very much and put your hands together for howie mandel and may i say i'm proud to be a part of the promotion that you don't get paid for <laughs> james dixon told me i was supposed to play you but at the last <laughs> adrian put the kibosh now, on adrian that. granari and me were writing a blog we uh now my so they they give you a, a publicist and you run around town and you do all the rounds and you do all the good mornings and the good days and all that kind of stuff and my publicist over there Lee raise your hand Lee made a uh, good a, job Lee a large mistake by explaining that he was going to be out in Sacramento in a few months because that's where WrestleMania was going on by the way nothing. Nothing instills confidence in a client, <laughs> whether you're a publicist or attorney, by going, hey, I can't make that gig. I'm going to be in WrestleMania. <laughs> the, the shaved guys with the spray-on tan and the underpants, that's kind of my thing. So Is anyway. he working it? Is he no, working it? He's I, going I as a fan? He's going as a fan. <clears throat> he oh, has gone shit. for 14 straight years. And by the way, all you... Folks out there that go, well, uh, it's been 14 years. There must be a 15th. Uh, Artie, you went to junior high for like 11 years, right? <laughs> it's not like you feel compelled to make it a 12th. Yeah, you? no. I, I actually, I didn't graduate from high school. Yeah, yeah we all did a whole bunch yeah. of shit, you know, and then we stopped. You I, don't have, I don't have a GED. Really? Uh, really. Oh my God. Oh, no, you're Canadian, right? And, uh, well, that's, what does that have to do I'm with I'm just saying... <laughs> We you don't got your fucking. You, you had a choice between the Canadian high school or St. Elsewhere. You made the right choice. What I'm saying. Well, wait, what happened? Well, you didn't make it out of the twelfth grade, and you didn't make it out of I grade twelve. No, I've, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I didn't. What I, happened? I did a lot of comedians. A lot uh, of people like, finished school. School finished me. <laughs> me it did. Too. They asked me to leave. I was asked to leave the school, and I left the school, and then I went to another school where they asked me to leave. And then I went to the third school, and they said, don't come back anymore. <laughs> the, only post, the only post-high school education I have, this is true, is driving school. That's it. That's the only one I've ever <laughs> I've never been to college or anything. Me either. You don't count community <laughs> services? <laughs> I count that. You're learning a skill. You're picking up garbage by the freeway. You know, that's something. That's a, it's for possession of Coke. Not they'd have to pay somebody to do. Wait. 
how your parents are Jewish. Yeah. You didn't graduate high school? I didn't have a choice. So did they kill themselves on the same day or they spread it out or like over the weekend? No, I said, don't worry. I'm going to move to California and put a rubber glove on my head. <laughs> what are you worried about? What the fuck are you worried about? Everything's fine. Yes. Oh, fucking Lee. You, 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 this, is, this is very close to you dodging a bullet. <laughs> there's more to this story, but you're... I'm momentarily distracted. Like, that's a scene from Goodfellas where De Niro's like, yeah, don't kill him tonight. You know, not tonight. Forget about tonight. Forget, Forget about it. Yeah. Let's just play some cards here. I wanted to ask both of you, since we're you know, talking about Roadhard, your first stand-up appearance. Where was it? When was it? How old were you? How much time did you do? Open mic. What, what, do you remember your first appearance? Do you want to go? Oh, well, uh, I don't care. I, it was about... Uh, Six blocks from here, the old improv in Hell's Kitchen, 9th Avenue, 44th Street, July 12th, 1987. I went, Dylan and the Dead were doing a show at Giant Stadium, and I heard on the Howard Stern show that uh, they were doing a live show, and I went there, and uh, I did mushrooms, and I, I drove in to do an open mic uh, at the, in Hell's Kitchen. I did five minutes at 1 a.m., and um, I, uh, I bombed until I did a song parody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a song parody. Again, when I was 19, this was funny, but we're talking about Ted Danson. I, I did a song parody. I want to hear it. Uh, yeah. All right. You asked for it. In 1987, when you're 19 on Mushrooms, this is funny. All right. <laughs> what if the show Cheers were about a gay bar called Queers? <laughs> and here's the theme song. <laughs> Going to bars where everyone straight gets to be a rut. Oh, yeah. You want to go where you can get rammed in the butt. (laughs) And Judy Garland's all they play. (laughs) Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows you're gay. (laughs) And they're not afraid to say... (laughs) When I look at his ass, I lick my chops. (laughs) And all of the bar stools have no tops. (laughs) Artie, this is crazy. Is that that the whole song? Well, I'll end it. I need your help. You want to go where everybody knows Knows you're gay. Wow. That's not the first time a large group of people looked at me and shouted, you're gay. Uh, <laughs> was that your closer? It's so weird. That my, yeah. I closed with that. I was 19, oh. July 1987, and that killed everything else. Wow. It sucked. It's funny because <laughs> usually people get funnier. Already <laughs> <laughs> yeah. chose a different route. <laughs> no, I'm saying uh, I, that, that's, that's what I had. Jesus, that was fucking good. That's wow. funny. Well, it's too politically incorrect to do now. But I grew up in a generation where Eddie Murphy didn't say the word faggots. He had a whole album, I think, called Faggots. (laughs) It was a different time, and I don't agree with that anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Richard Pryor had one called Fagger. (laughs) You know what would be a funny faggot? The honeymoon would be a funny faggots. (laughs) (laughs) How you did the same bit or different? I did a... The truth is, I had nothing. I had nothing. I went... <laughs> Clearly, neither did I. 
<laughs> oh, you had something. That was good. I had something. It was, it was 19, April 19th, 1977. We remember the actual day. That's no, weird. Because it yeah. was a big, it changed my life. Yeah. I was an outcast. I was thrown out of school. At that time, I was 22 years old. And I was, you can do the math, I'm going to be 60 this year. I was 22 wow. years old. Wow. I, yeah. That's looking good. I was, I was. I look like your uncle. <laughs> And I went to, you know, I, I fucking hated disco. I still don't like, I don't like to dance. I didn't dance at my own wedding. I didn't, I don't like dancing. So everybody, you know, disco was all the well, crazy. the elephant was taking up the whole fucking dance floor. <laughs> so uh, comedy clubs became huge in the mi- mid to late 70s. And I went to a comedy club and uh, it was Yuck Yucks in Toronto. <laughs> and they said, do you want to, you know, if amateurs want to get up, you can come up at midnight on Monday. Right. And I went, oh, Okay. Without and this is my problem in life, and it is like the elephant story. I don't think of the ramifications. Right. I don't prepare. But that's a good comic, though, on certain levels. I mean, well, well, it, it worked out for me, but it's just serendipitous. So what happens is I show up, and my friends are in the room, and then you know I don't think about this, and then and then somebody says, "Ladies and gentlemen, Howie Mandel." <laughs> And then I walk out, and like here, these lights are in my face. Strange faces are looking my way, and I'm thinking, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) I should say something. (laughs) And I had nothing, nothing. And I was so scared and so nervous and so young that the the nerves kicked in, and I started going. (laughs) 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 And then I was making that sound, like, and and people started laughing back at me, and I got self-conscious because I heard, (laughs) and they were laughing, and I started going, what, 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 (laughs) what? And then they started laughing more at my what. That became, like, my kind of a trademark. What? I don't even even know what to do. (laughs) Wow. I'm like in high school. And I have have OCD, you know, and I got gloves. I carry uh, gloves because I won't talk. And I have a rubber glove, and I go, what? And then, and then for no reason, I take the glove, and then I, I pull it over my head, and I'm breathing, and the fingers are going up and down, and they're roaring, and like, this is some fucking brilliance. It's nothing. I had nothing. I remember the first I had time, though. nothing, and I'm going, what? And the glove's going up, and they roared, and then the owner of the club comes back. He goes, you've got to come back on a regular night. And I went, for what? He said, to do that. And I went, what the fuck did I do? What did I just wow. do? But and I remember was, the first time it, I saw and, you uh, with my family on TV. We laughed so far. It was when the microphone fell and you got on the ground. I the did mic. the young comedian. Yeah, yeah, I went yeah. down to L.A. and it I was got so up an funny. amateur night and did the same thing. And people laughed. And there was a uh, um, actually Mike Binder. You know Mike Binder, yeah. the yeah. director, writer. He was a comic. He got me. He brought yeah, George Foster, who was producing Make Me Laugh. And he brought me down, and I did make me laugh. I didn't have anything to do, but I acted like an idiot in front of people. And then I got hired by George Carlin's wife to do the Young, the, the young Comedian special. I can't wow. remember this part, but the Young Comedians were, it was me, Richard Lewis, wow. Jerry Seinfeld, Harry Anderson, and... Uh, wow. I don't know. I have to, have to figure it out. Oh, that's me and Ted Danson. I, 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 that's I, actually Ted Danson. Wow, you do have an inside line here. I, m- I remember just catching the end of the act when he's like, what if the Jeffersons were gay? I wonder what that song would sound like. That's the only part Moving of Moving on up, your ass! <laughs> no, but you, that, what, the, what that young comedians, what a lineup that is. You're the poorest amazing. guy in that lineup. We were kids. We were kids. Yes, he's, uh, that's Ted Danson. I'm showing him like it's a skill. This is how you do it. 
So when when do you when does Saint Elsewhere kick in then? 1982. So in 1982. So I started. I got an H. I got my own HBO special, and I started getting. And I was selling out. I was doing like amazing tours. It was huge in the end of the 80s, and the and it was you know comedy was all the rage. And I could play colleges, and I could play theaters, and I came here and played Radio City Music Hall. And then in 1982, I thought the next step for every comic was to get a sitcom. So I went to MTM, which is Mary, the Mary Tyler, Mary Moore, Tyler Moore. But they right. had this production company, and I met right. with the casting person who says to me, can you act? And I said, I don't, I don't know. And she says, uh, come this way and read, this, read these sides. And I read these sides as pieces of a script. And she stopped him and said, take the fucking glove off. <laughs> all right, the character this, doesn't this, wear medical gloves. So I read, I read <laughs> these, all this, and it's all this medical jargon. She goes, that's very good. Come with me. Come down the hall. And I go down the hall. And I go into this room, and in this room I know now, I didn't know then, it was Bruce Paltrow, Gwyneth's father, and, and Mark Tinker, who was, his father was running NBC. Grant, married Grant to Mary Tyler Moore. Grant right. Tinker's son, but it was Mark, right. Mark Tinker and John uh, Tinker, who were right. Right. and John Macius, and all these people who went on to do great shows. And they said, read that thing, and I read it, and halfway through the sentence, they said, oh, thank you, thank you, and I walked out. And I remember my wife, uh, I went home, and my wife said to me, what, what happened today? I said, you know, I, I went in to try to see if they would give me a sitcom, and I don't think they liked me. She goes, are you upset? I go, no, because they had me read. It wasn't funny. I didn't even understand what I was reading. And it wasn't But funny. I'm thinking about but, renting wait. a manatee. So. <laughs> so, they, so they said to me, well, I got a, I got a story about that. But anyway. You do? I do. So, but and then about a minute later, I get a call and they said, "Will you go down and meet with Brandon Tartikoff?" Wow! So that I go down man. and I walk into Brandon Tartikoff's office and Bruce Paltrow in there, and they said, "Read what you just read." And I read what I just read, and they said, "We'll see you Monday. This is a Friday." And I got on the set of St. Elsewhere. Now, what had happened is they had shot for four days. They shut it down, and they let go of the guy that played Fiscus. And that was David Paymer. Do you know who David Paymer is? He went on to get an Academy Award nomination for Mr. Saturday Night. He played Billy Crystal's brother wow. in Mr. Saturday Night. Yeah, and in a the, good character actor everyone would recognize. He really yeah. is. And I went on, and now I'm doing this fucking drama. I go, what is this? And I worked two or three days. Denzel Washington was on the show. Don't know and, that name. No, he <laughs> He's having Linguini right there. <laughs> is that you, Denzel? Fucking puts on a snow white sweater and comes to a comedy club to eat pasta and gravy. What the fuck are you thinking? Jesus Christ. All right, sorry. Go ahead, Harry. I just want to know what this man's thinking. But they, they used to say to me, that, and then in the uh, interim, because I only worked two, three days a week, I was on for the full six years, but we had a big cast. And I, were, and I would go out and do comedy. And I'd go do The Tonight Show, and I'd do Johnny Carson Show, and I'd put the glove on my head and act like I acted. They called me in and threatened to fire me because they thought I was hurting the integrity. You're compromising your right, character. Right, because I was a fiscus who knew right. how to do... I, I still know that shit is in my head and it won't go away, how to take care of a gunshot wound to the chest. I think I've talked about that on this show. No, <laughs> yeah. Well, hold five on a second. Ringers, Let me just ask. Are you going to shoot anyone tonight, or are we cool? <laughs> That's not your shooting sweater. I mean, that's... Uh, <laughs> you, you can't get far from the popo with that sweater on, huh? We're cool? All right. We're good. No shooting tonight. All right. 
But it doesn't matter because I know what to do. It's D5 lactator ringers, colloids, O negative blood, an intubation tray with a 22 centimeter endotracheal tube, an open thoracotomy tray, and two number 16 central intravenous catheters and a mass suit stat. And that shit you is see, in my head. Artie, when you don't do drugs, do you see what the human mind is capable of? By the way, I'll be at the Funny Bone in Pittsburgh tomorrow. It's out of- <laughs> All right, hold on a second, Howie. I, I, w- I want to hear uh, the part about uh, you renting the uh, manatee. But okay, I will. I, uh, but do an ad. Do a, yeah. Make uh, some money. Uh, yeah, yeah. Blue Apron, baby. <laughs> That's a Jewish guy. <laughs> <laughs> love these guys, man. Oh, you'd love these guys. They got pasta, man. They got pasta over here. Uh, less than 10 bucks a meal. High quality, fresh ingredients delivered right to your house. I use these guys. They send the stuff to your house. You get somebody who lives in your house to whip it it up. It's called Blue Apron. They have different meals. You prepare them at your house, but they have all the ingredients, and then someone just whips it up. Isn't that just called shopping? Well, shopping Somebody means... goes out, buys some shit, and you make it yourself at your house. I don't understand what <laughs> these guys are doing. You don't have to leave your house or dispatch that underling. It comes to dispatch you. Dispatch an underling. Yeah. What do you mean it comes to you? <laughs> well, what I'm saying is you have a TV set, right? Uh, all, right. all right. You watch the shows that are on the TV set, right? Okay. But you don't go down to the set and just watch the actors. You could... I don't understand it what the fuck you're talking you, It comes to you, Howie. The food doesn't come to you. Somebody goes shopping, brings you ingredients, and then you work your not, fucking ass off making a meal. Not with Blue Apron. Not with Blue Apron. It, all the ingredients show up at your house. Yeah. They put them in the divot where the elephant was. <laughs> then uh, my nanny whips the shit up and it is out of this goddamn world. I don't think I'd ever say this, but how about another round of blah, blah, blah? Oh, please. (laughs) They got Italian wedding soup. (laughs) They got miso glazed cod. Uh, Listen, You know what happens? You know how they name this company? I know Mm. they name it. Mm. Blue balls are when you're out all night (laughs) and you want to get fucked and nothing happens, right? That's when you get blue balls. Blue blue apron is when you want something to eat and nobody's doing anything, so you got to fix it yourself. That's right. (laughs) BlueApron.com slash Adam. He's sleeping. He's you get sleeping. two meals. Your eyes are closed. The you guy's get two sleeping. meals. He's sleeping. That's all right. You Let can't him... three sleep through the commercials. We're talking about Blue Apron. BlueApron.com slash Adam. Sorry, manatee. Sorry. No, Blue Apron is good. I don't want to... Yeah, no, it's good. It's good, good stuff. I use it. I'm telling you. Send no, me the and stuff. I, I eat it. it. If you want to bring shit to my house, I'll make a meal. <laughs> All right, give me the manatee. It's not exactly a manatee, but it is close to that. So I ended up doing I ended up doing uh, twenty two Tonight shows with Johnny Carson. Wow! The last one I did with him, and it was his like school. I got asked to leave. I got called. I got called. I was doing them regularly, and I get called one day, and this is because Sammy Davis Jr. was booked to be on the show, and it's when he found out, they found out that he had cancer, right. he was not going to be the lead guest, and Jim McCauley, who, uh, who uh, booked the show, called me and said, Howie, you got to come down, it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you got to come down, or uh, be here by 4 and be our lead guest, you got to... 
Someone right. just dropped out right now. Right. And I said, but I got nothing. And you know on these talk shows, they have you, do, I, got, I got nothing. And yeah, said, yeah no, they, the pre-interview. Yeah. We've all... Horrible. We've all done the, the pre-interview. My, get shit on. That's always my favorite yeah. part. Oh, yeah. what's going on with the wife and the kids? Anything going on? You guys going on vacation? What's going on? Yeah. You got to tell eight interesting stories. Right. Still and one then, one. then go, Tiffany Amber Thiessen gets on with a... Anecdote about her fucking hairspray. That's all they want about her. <laughs> well, that's like when Dick Clark. When Dick, um, I'm, uh, I digress for a second. When Go ahead. Dick, Dick Clark used to uh, create and produce the. Remember there were fall TV specials mm-hmm. where the where the network would would have a big variety show and all the stars right. of the different shows. This is the way they preview it. Yeah. So Dick Clark was doing it for NBC when it was on when St. Elsewhere was on, and they asked me to come on and be the comedian. I'll do a, a, a comedy spot in right. the show. And then Dick Clark calls me himself and says, "I want to go over your set. What's your set?" Ugh. And my set was. I'll go, <laughs> what, what? And then we'll go, what are you going to close with? And I said, I'll close with putting a rubber glove on my head, and then I'll blow it up. He goes, you got to close on a joke. I said, that is, it is a joke. He goes, well, what's the joke? I said, well, you put a, I put a glove. I put are a you glove. not fucking listening, Dick? <laughs> Jesus And I inflate it. It, yeah. gets, it gets a laugh. He goes, why? I go, I don't fucking know. <laughs> Anyways, I was not in the fall preview special. But anyway, he didn't. They, they canceled me from the special. So you're 22nd time you're doing the Tonight Show They call me and Johnny I say to Carson. Jim, you've got to trust me. No pre-interview, no nothing. I got nothing and I'll wing it. And I, I, he goes, well, thank you so much for showing up. So I was working, that's from the picture, I'm working with Ted Danson and we're at a studio. And I walk into uh, the prop department in a studio and there's a giant plastic saber-toothed tiger from the wall to here, half of this room, about 50 feet long. And I said, how much would it cost to put that on a dolly and rent that and have that shipped to Burbank? Mm-hmm. The guy says, 500 bucks will do it this <laughs> afternoon. So I go, oh, I'll write a check for 500 bucks. And then I see this giant carrot. There's a giant foam carrot. I said, can you tie the foam carrot on top of the saber-toothed tiger on the dolly and send that too? And he goes, yeah, I'll do that. What's it for? I go, I don't know. But let's just send it. So I called Jim McCauley, called it Tonight Show back. So it's like a manatee. I, it was a saber-toothed tiger and it was uh, the carrot. Same. Same phylum. For the story's sake, let's call the saber-toothed tiger a manatee. Okay. Sorry. And then it seems serendipitous that yeah. you brought it up and I have a story like it. Right. I think he got ripped off because they fly me to L.A. for like 200 bucks. <laughs> 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 it's a fat joke. <laughs> so I get. I, anyways, the th- I tell Jim, listen. He goes, "What are you going to do?" I go, "I don't know. Just bring it out. Go with me." So Johnny Carson, the, the show starts, and Johnny Carson says, "You know, he's a favorite of ours. He's a guest of ours." Ladies and gentlemen from St. Elsewhere, please welcome Howie Mandel. And and I walk out, and the audience is applauding, and I have behind me, I have a rope attached to a dolly, which has a fifty-foot manatee. Right. <laughs> Or saber tooth tiger. Feet. It's like from here to the wall. I don't know how big. Oh, and then and I have a. He's carrot. on the fucking metric system. What's he know? <laughs> no, it's it's actually really small. You know what? If you go on YouTube, there's probably a picture that you can put up mm-hmm. of it. it. There is a picture of it. And 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 with a carrot on top. And I I start walking it out, and I get to the riser where Johnny Carson's right. desk is. And I can't lift the front wheel up. Right. And, I'm, and I'm trying to lift the front wheel up, and I'm trying to lift the And by this time, it's an eternity. 30 seconds of applause has died down to nothing. And I don't want to give up. And, I'm go- and I see him tapping, Johnny's tapping his pencil, and I say to Ed McMahon, Ed, Ed, can you give me a hand with this? Can you give me a hand? 
So Ed just looks at Johnny like, what the fuck is this? And, and Ed comes over. It's and harder to pick up Ed. <laughs> <laughs> and Ed's trying to lift at the head to get the wheels, and I can't. And now it's silent. The audience is sitting there silent. And then I, say, I walk around to the back, and I say to Doc Severinsen, I say, Doc, help me push. And then we're at the end, and, and Ed's lifting the head. And we try to, and finally the paws get up on the, on the, on the riser, and you could see the head of the manatee. Right. Uh, Blocks Johnny's desk, and you can hear in the headsets from everybody, the director, move the fucking camera. Move it. They've never changed an angle in their life. Right. And all of a sudden, they're shooting Johnny from, like, overhead. They're shooting him overhead. And then I said, Doc, push. And then we finally, we get it, and it blocks the whole desk. There's a, there's a picture. I remember a picture. Look, look. Uh, look, it, look, look, look. It blocks? It, it, it blocks. It blocks. That. Holy shit. Yeah, look. Wow. Look, say what Look, look, there's Ed. Can you help? Look, look, Johnny's totally blocked. Stop it here. Pause it. Pause it. Pause it. Ed's drunk, so he thinks he's being attacked by an actual (laughs) prehistoric creature. Yeah. So just leave it still, and then I'll, I'll uh, but this is it. So this is, uh, by the way, if, if you see the picture, you're at home listening to this, and you have the picture, this is my very last appearance with <laughs> Johnny Carson. But I go after an eternity. If you're listening to this, it is silent at this point, and I sit down, and then Johnny, I just sit down, and I'm sweating, and Ed is sweating, and Doc is sweating, and Johnny goes, and from overhead, Johnny goes, so... Um, what is this? And I say, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Howie Mandel, everybody. All right, one last spot, and then we'll uh, watch the movie. Simply safe, smarter home security, no aggressive sales guys, no hardwired systems, no felons coming in, rifling through Artie's panty drawer. <laughs> no. What? Well, the guys who come into your house are the... Who, who, Ironically, the guys who install the alarm systems are the scariest. They are. Can I just mention something? Yes. What kind of pants are you wearing, Artie? (laughs) What are they called? What kind of pants are those? Cargo pants. Uh, Cargo pants. Why? Why? Was there a discussion? ladies and gentlemen, is the circle of life. Total, total fucking vindication. Simply safe. We're talking about it (laughs) five minutes before you showed up. No. (laughs) Sorry. And thanks to Randy from Omaha for requesting that clip from 2015. All right, we have one more clip for everybody. This is a clip from 2019. It's a Rotten Tomatoes game live from our show in Lexington, Kentucky. One of my favorite live shows in recent memory. That one was, we just did one show in, in that cl- comedy club. It was like a last minute thing. We packed the place out and everybody was just so gracious and nice when we went there that we, we came out to Lexington and... It, it was so fun. Some of my favorite fans. So let's listen to the Rotten Tomatoes game from then. It is Adam Carolla Show 2659 featuring Gina Grad and Brian Bishop. This one's from September of 2019, uh, live from Comedy Off-Broadway in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes game number 181. And this is a Colonel Sanders-themed round of the Rotten Tomatoes game. Enjoy. All right, so this will be the score, the general critic score, now just a one score of the movie. Whoever gets uh, closest, it's like golf, lower score the better. 
If you get the number dead on, you get a five-point deduction. We add it up. Whoever has the lowest score at the end wins. All right, we have who we're playing for. All right, Dawson, it's all yours. So many things to love about Kentucky. The bluegrass, the bourbon, the derby. But sadly, when we're back in California, the only taste of Kentucky we get is that secret blend of 11 herbs and spices. Oh, yeah. I talked about the colonel today. Believe it or not, Colonel Sanders is a national icon. Ever since 2015, celebrities in desperate need of a paycheck have been donning the colonel's white hair, glasses, and black string bow tie in commercials, much to the delight of us all. And that's the theme for this week's game. Actors who have played Colonel Sanders. Goddamn. If my agent doesn't at least give me the chance to turn that down in the next seven years, I'm going to die so insulted. Um, Did you know... Wait a minute. Here's what I learned today. I think Colonel Sanders' wife was named Claudia Sanders? Claudia Sanders. So you got Colonel Sanders and you got Claudia Sanders. And then you have Jack LaLanne and his wife... Elaine LaLanne. And then there's Evil Knievel's mom, Eunice Knievel. Oh, shit. That didn't work. I thought I was on a roll. You were there, man. You know, I was was like right there. so close. Man, when I passed by Elaine LaLanne, I had so much personal momentum. She's taking her foot off the gas. Keep workshopping that one. Yeah, keep (laughs) workshopping that one. But it was... It was close. All right. Anyway. All right. I think it goes without saying that our favorite Colonel Sanders casting was from friend of the podcast, Norm MacDonald. Yeah. The always hilarious Norm hasn't exactly had the most success, critically speaking, when it comes to movies. But a year after his leading role in Dirty Work, Norm makes a small cameo as a bartender alongside his SNL castmate, Rob Schneider, in the 1999 comedy, Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. Okay. Well, we like these guys. And the worst movie ever made was Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. This was not that. Yeah. This is low. But, but I think it had a sequel. I, I, it, it had a sequel. And, you know, people's kind of had some fun stuff. And Rob's uh, non-threatening sexually, which is always <laughs> good for a couple of woke points. That guy sounds hot. <laughs> All right, we're not writing them down, so we'll just go. Or you are writing them down. Write you guys get yours locked in. I'm going to say they didn't like it, but Rob's perfectly likable, and the first iteration of this movie was fine. I go. 39. Ooh. Oh, well, since I locked it into my head and I was a Girl Scout and I'm not changing now, 16. Well, you're probably right. I have down 36. 36. Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo, is rotten. What? At 22. Okay, okay. All right. We're good. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Maybe you prefer your chicken extra crispy. We'll look no further than the golden, orangey, tanned skin tone of actor George Hamilton. This legendary actor famously replaced another legendary actor, Robert Duvall, in the third installment of a supremely legendary series. It's universally understood that the third comes nowhere near its predecessors, 
But where does it fall on the tomato meter? 1990s, The Godfather Part 3. We don't speak of that one. Yeah. So, it's got to be bad, but, but how bad? It's novelty bad. But it's still The Godfather. It's still The Godfather. It can't be in the teens or You're, anything. You, you haven't seen this, have you? No. It, there's, there's some pretty cringy stuff in here. There's, cr- there's some cringeworthy stuff. It all starts with Sofia Coppola. Mm. He cast his daughter after Winona Ryder either dropped out or whatever, and he cast his daughter, and it was universally considered a terrible decision. Yeah, maybe it was during that. It wasn't during that period when Winona Ryder went nuts for like the stealing shoplifting, shoplifting and stuff, right? It's nineteen ninety. All right, ninety-one. I'll ask Garagus when I get back to LA because he <laughs> he defended her. That's right. She's our Scott Peterson bitch. <laughs> I will never forgive him. No, I can't forgive him. It's a father's nightmare. That's right. Finally, finally, a father's nightmare. All right, uh, but what? What? Are we in the 40s? Are, there, are we down in the single digits? I mean, it was a disaster. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm 31. Gina? 48. Uh, I got bad news for y'all. Um, this is where we separate the men from the boys and girls. Oh, because going with the, the goose egg. The, the, no, 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 no. Quite no. the opposite. Oh. This movie was nominated for Best Picture. Brian's such an asshole. <laughs> Roger Ebert gave this four stars. Right. I think this was, even though it's it's looked back as 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 one of the worst uh, sequels. Hold on, it was four stars out of the Hollywood (laughs) Walk of Fame. (laughs) I think this was well reviewed at the time. It's up for Best Picture. I said seventy nine. Whoa. Well, this could be it. The Godfather Part Three is fresh. Oh. At sixty eight percent. Oh. I had sixty, and I. I erased wow. it because of Brian's jibber jabber. All I heard. <laughs> it's not a good movie. <laughs> but what would it be if it didn't have the first yeah. two? Uh, if it was a standalone, didn't have the pedigree, this would be in the high 30s. Wow. Really? Yeah, 40. No? Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. We've got to crawl. We've got to claw our way back, yeah. Gina. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Jason Alexander went back to his Seinfeld roots to Hold play. Hold on. <laughs> I'm not sure if Gina can claw her way back. Gina. Yeah, uh, this, is, this is not an insult or put down. It's a technical question. I'm quite sure. When you lay on your belly, can you touch the ground with your hands? I'm asking. I'm asking. I just want to know. I'd like to know. That's Technically, for me. yes. Like I'm because I'm talking about crawling back. I get it. Back, I get it. You know? I get it. Technically, no. But since this is radio theater of the mind, let's say sure. Okay, so you could. Claw your way sure, back. Sure, easily. Okay. I'm an A right. cop. All right, well, let's do it. Jason Alexander went back to his Seinfeld roots to play sitcom Colonel Sanders earlier last year. And while he hasn't had the spectacular career that his castmate Michael Richards has had, thanks to Gloria Allred, yeah. the former George Costanza was cast as Jack Black's best friend in a comedy that tries to knock some sense into the superficial men who need to understand that true beauty is what's on the inside. 2001's Shallow Hal. I love this movie. It's a fun movie. I, I like love it. Mo- I like it too. And it's got a good message. And uh, But did the critics like it? <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow's kind of the height of her powers, you know. She's probably just kicking around the idea of steaming her vagine at this point <laughs> in her career. 
You don't want to poach that salmon, do you? <laughs> no, no, you really no, should not do no, that. No. No, you don't. You don't. <laughs> I, I, there, there's nobody who needs her vagine steamed less than Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. That's my, my thing is, is if you need it steamed, sweetie, we all got to steam it, and I don't even have one. <laughs> So, this is before then. This is a uh, Farley Brothers, right? Farley Brothers. Farley this Brothers. comes after uh, 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 Mary. Is something about Mary. Yeah. About Mary. All right. It's, it's a delightful film with yeah. a good message. I really like this movie. And a lot of heart. Yeah. We're going to have to get right on that. Shit. We're going okay. to we're gonna have to nail it right on. The critics are always snobs. They could put these movies in the high 80s or even low 90s. There's nothing wrong with it, but they never do because they're, com- they're comedies. Even gets a little dusty at the end. Yes. Yeah, this movie it's got has some emotion to it. That's some good moments. I'm going to say, damn, 81. Oh, I shit. I gotta go bold. All right. I thought, I love this movie, but I remember this was sort of at the very beginning of the woke shit, and people gave them a lot of guff for having Gwyneth Paltrow in a fat suit and Mm -hmm. how shaming it was. It happened again with Amy Schumer and I Feel Pretty. I had to factor that in. I said 69. I'm right behind you at 68. 68. Come on. Let's be super fresh. Shallow Howl is rotten. Oh! Oh! At 50%. Oh, it could have been worse. The... Oh, my movie. God. It's yes, it shouldn't be 50%. Yeah, Tony oh, Robbins is in it. All right. <laughs> Puts the whammy I, on I it. Have, uh, been, we've all, I've been pretty much mathematically eliminated here, yeah, but let's more. keep going. There's two more. There's two more. Here we go. As far back as Ray Liotta can remember, he always wanted to be a colonel. Mm. The quote-unquote Nashville hot colonel does what Ray Liotta does best. Act like an unstable nut job on the screen. But Ray has a softer side, too. We don't see it often, but back in 1989, Ray Liotta fulfills the destiny of a young Kevin Coster who just wants to play a game of catch with his dad. He's the ghostly spirit of Shoeless Joe Jackson in 1989's Field of Dreams. I had a... uh, There was a roast joke that I didn't do which was, because it just was wordy and I had to thin them out, but it was some version of me saying to De Niro, you and Ray Liotta were like two in, in the greatest movie ever made, Goodfellas, and now Ray Liotta is doing Chantix commercials, <laughs> and it's kind of like what happened with me and Kimmel. I'm like... <laughs> Soaring to new heights <laughs> from a career standpoint, and who knows what the fuck happened to that guy? Yeah, right? whatever happened to Adam Carolla? It's a funny joke. Is this took, yeah. took a, a little took up too much space in the teleprompter? But um, all right, so uh, huh? This is a good this movie, a right? Movie. This, this should be mid to high nineties. I wonder. I don't know. I wonder if our critics like my too lightweight. I I have a fundamental problem with this movie because a son played catch with his father, and that always angers me. It's very shaming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why do you have to rub your face in it? Yeah, like I'd go to my dad, you want to have a catch? And he's like, do you know a cinder block wall where the ball will return if you throw it with enough velocity? And I was like, geez, feel of that energy expenditure, you could have had a catch by now. But uh, it's a consistent man, Jim Carolla. 
All right. I got to get this one like dead nuts on. Otherwise, I got to like the next two dead nuts on. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go 96. Gina? I went only slightly lower, maybe too low, 92. It's slightly lower for me at 91. Field of Dreams is certified fresh at 86%. Oh. Okay, good. I was going to go higher. Nice. Oh. All right. Well. All right. Hey, y'all know there was a lady colonel, too. What's Country that? singer Reba McIntyre. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She tucked her red locks under a white wig to become the first woman ever cast as Colonel Sanders. Personally, I prefer her brassy, sassy charms when she's carrying a shotgun and fighting alongside Kevin Bacon as they take on terrifying underground sandworms in the 1990 camp classic, Tremors. Yeah. Okay. This movie was sort of a cult hit, right? I never saw it. It was... It was a it was a hit and very very culty. It didn't culty. do any business, but like a huge on cable. Yeah, yeah. It was like it was like a cult hit, but I I don't think the critics nailed this one like a normal. It's all, this wasn't like movie. hipster irony. It, well, it is, but they didn't know. Like before, that was cool. This is campy. This okay. is throwback. This is like a fifties horror film, right? Like style. You know what I mean? <clears throat> All right, were they in a prison camp or something, or was that something else? They're in the middle of fucking, like, New Mexico in the desert or something. But what, was it Holes 2 that had, like, second input? Like, I don't know. (laughs) That'd be a good name on the poster. (laughs) Human Centipede 3 was it a a prison camp. Oh, it was? Uh, Maybe you're thinking of, I don't know. Well, no... Somebody look up. Thanks for the ride, ladies. Shia LaBeouf was in. Shia LaBeouf was like in the sequel to Holes or something, and it was like a kids' camp. Am I making that? I don't know. For juvenile delinquents. Yes, Chris says yes. Yes. Oh, oh, that's just hole. Oh, oh, that's holes, and this is. No, I think you said holes too. Holes 2, Tremor. All right, you watched that it. movie, but that's this on is, paper. Right, but either way, Holes has monsters under the ground and Tremors has monsters under the ground. Scorpions. All right, all right. Anyway, Jesus. I, I digressed uh, too much. All right. I'm going to say <laughs> there's no way I, I can crawl back into this game. There's no way Gina can crawl. I'm going to say... I will get you a mechanic scraper. That's very kind. And we'll duct tape a box fan to your ass. Now look, when you want to move forward, we want to just hit it on reverse. Yeah. You want to go? Okay. Thank no. you. All right. I, I'm saying 54. Now that's probably a good guess. I might have gone too high. I think they missed the boat, but I said 70. Mm-hmm. Honey, I might have just lost this for you. This looks horrible. Uh, Reba McIntyre had a song called She Thinks His Name Is John about getting AIDS. Knocked a few points for that. That song always bummed me out. I said 29. Oh, no, no, no. This is a good movie. It can't be. Look oh, at the poster. This is absolutely, this is absolutely a good movie. Tremors is fresh. Come on. At 85%. Get her done. This guy just, this guy just got it. I mean, he was staring at his phone the whole time, but he just got it. 
85. That's 85. Insane. What the hell? I, I thought it'd be lower because it's kind of quirky and weird. Yeah. All right. Well, I wow. I, I set a, a personal low there. I think I, I'm, I'm, I may have cracked 200 on that game. I was off by like 60. All right. Well, we do have a winner. Yeah, we do. But first loser. Adam Carolla with a score of 126. Congratulations on your third place win. You are on the podium. Yeah, made the podium. Leaving us, Gina Grad and Bald Brian. Most people would think that Bald Brian usually wins. So we probably won this time. But I do want to say, Gina, uh, a good score. You did well. You were in there competing. Okay. I do want to say that if... Brian did win. The two real losers in this are the people who have to drive him home. Come on! <laughs> Non-stop, he's going to say, you know, I, see how I nailed that one. I should have gone for, you know, this. You like my take on Tremors? Like the way I got him on Godfather? <laughs> Probably what I'm going to do. Ladies, you're in for an hour of hell. Bolt Brian takes the win. With a score of 63, Gina Grad 107. Wasn't even close. I'm embarrassed. Of course, we had to play the Colonel Sanders Ron Tomatoes game in Kentucky because we're from California and we don't know any better. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Thanks again to everybody for coming out to that. Let's let's go back there soon. All right, that'll do it for this weekend's Corolla Classics. Thanks again to everybody for listening and hanging out with us. The Adam Corolla Show returns tomorrow with Kevin Nealon in studio. Wow, I know. So I'm sure we'll be hearing some Billy the Elephant. Who knows? Um, no, I'm pretty sure it's already queued up. So uh, thanks again for listening to you, and I will see you next weekend. My name's Chris Loxamana. That's super fan Giovanni. Mahalo and get it on. <laughs>